Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Uh, the biggest criticism that we take from like our own friends and family as we've been doing this podcast for a while is that we're pretty bad um, ambassadors for ourselves. Like we're just pretty god awful at promoting ourselves. Like there's been more than one occurrence where uh, Mel has been like, Hey, uh, did you bring any like podcast stickers or did you bring like a shirt or something? I was like, no, why would I be doing that? And she's like, well, we're going to Detroit and there's a good chance you're going to want to meet up with some listeners. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was a great point. Yeah. I have absolutely nothing on me. She pulls out like a pack of like 50 stickers. She's like, yeah, I stole these from your office earlier. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll be um, going and, there anytime soon. No. Yeah. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. And so I was like, yeah, I really need to be better about that. Uh, anyways, I couldn't find my podcast t-shirt earlier. So this is Mel's. <laughs> That's the one I'm wearing for this episode. Uh, um, have I, I can't show my no. shirt because no free ads. Is it a winged wheel podcast shirt? It is not. Evan uh, purely wears uh, golf, like Sunday, like round four golf shirt. Uh, this is just a this is a t shirt from Old Navy that I got for five. Oh, hey, whoa! Ten years ago. What did I just say about no free ads? Jeez, it's a shit <laughs> shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, lots to talk about this winged wheel podcast. So we'll introduce ourselves first. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm not Ryan Hanna. And I'm not, not, not Ryan Hanna. <laughs> you know what? There's got, there's going to be people who listen to this and aren't going to love it. And the only names they're going to know now are Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna, and Ryan Hanna. So thank you guys. Are they going to um, for good reasons though? Yeah, well, that's up to them. Uh, <laughs> lots, lots to talk about that's hockey related this episode. Obviously, we're going to continue our draft profiles Um our play-in series previews, uh, some news today regarding return to play, and then, of course, overtime. Uh, but before all that, um, you know, we do have to talk about what's going on um, in not only the United States, but the rest of the world. So uh, I'm just going to take this chance now um, and, and give listeners uh, a, a heads up that we are going to be addressing... Um, to some degree, the protests that have been happening, um, how it relates to hockey. Uh, I, I want to acknowledge the fact that not everybody comes to this podcast to hear this kind of stuff. Um, you don't have to take this kind of opinion from, you know, three dudes talking about hockey. Um, I completely understand and acknowledge that. And whether you just don't care to hear it or you um, are pretty emotionally exhausted, which like, I'm going to be frank with you guys. I am. I'm, I feel like I've, I, I've beat up, been beat up this week. Like I'm really, really, really tired. Um, but I'd be remiss in not acknowledging this, but I, I do want to give everyone a heads up. So if this is something that, uh, you just don't have it in you to listen to right now, um, that's okay. Feel free to skip forward a few minutes. Um, but I do want to talk about it. So, uh, last chance if you want to skip forward. So, um, it feels like the world has, um, I don't want to say turned upside down since the last time we talked, but um, obviously things have been progressing at a rate, which is befitting only to 2020. Um, since the murder of George Floyd um, in Minnesota, there have been um, protests that have sprung up across all 50 states and in you know 
I think it was 18 to 20 countries that are on the world. So this is a, a movement that is uh, relevant and prevalent in all of our lives. And so, um, again, I want to acknowledge that like I'm not or we're not well equipped to be able to speak to this in a way that justifies uh, or sorry, uh, you know, really well articulates the um, this entire movement and, and the, the notion behind these protests. But um, I think there have been some things that have been relevant to the hockey world that I want to call to. Um, I'm not going to repeat what everyone's been hearing um, everywhere else, because I think that's, uh, again, acknowledging that we're not going to say anything new um, and that this might not be what you, you came here to hear. But in speaking about the hockey world, um, I don't know. There's been some players who have come out and, and said, to my great surprise, exactly the right things. Jonathan Taves and Blake Wheeler and Tyler Sagan have all made phenomenal statements that are A, genuine, um, and B, like take on a very difficult issue head on. And I encourage you guys to go read them. I'm not going to read them out to you right now because they're they're pretty long, but I I want you to take the time. Uh, Jonathan Taves had an Instagram post and um, the other two were on Twitter and or Instagram. I can't remember, Um, but they recognize the notion of, you know, the privilege that they've had and they don't take that as an attack because when people talk about privilege, it's not an attack. Um, It's not to say like, you know, Brad, uh, you're white and I'm not. And so you should apologize to me for that. That's, that's not at all what the case is. Um, but what Jonathan Taves does and what Blake Wheeler did and, you know, um, what, uh, um, Tyler Sagan's done and what a lot of other NHLers have done is, is acknowledge their privilege and acknowledge the role that they can play in making this, uh, world a better place for, um, all minorities, for black people, for people of color, um, and for anybody who's, uh, been systematically oppressed. And I think that's been, uh, I don't know about you guys, but hockey's never been really at the forefront of that kind of thing. Like we saw with the team statements, the team statements were, there were some that were decent, but most of the part, they were pretty like milk toast, right? Like, I don't know. The Red Wings statement wasn't phenomenal, but I never really was expecting more. Like I showed it to Mel and she's like, yeah, like what else? Who was expecting anything different than that? Um, But it was good to see the players take more responsibility and and action when they could. Honestly, the, the bar for them was set much lower and they did not need to step over it as high as they did. But it is really fantastic that they did in my mind. It's it, it's prevalent in hockey for this reason, which is that it's a predominantly white sport. Like, what are there, 33, 32, 33 black players in the league? I think three of them are on the Red Wings. Yeah, I saw the stat going around that 10% of them played for the Red Wings. And since we had three, it can't be much more than 30. Um, And that comes from it's an expensive sport. And which creates a large barrier to entry and whether we would like to acknowledge it or not, um, economic well-being and, and socioeconomic status is very closely tied to race and, and, and your position that you're born into in life. And so that um, precludes a lot of, um, you know, young black kids from playing the sport. It precludes a, long, a lot of young um, people people of color from playing the sport. Um, and that's not to take away from the, you know, single, single mother in Saskatoon who had to bust her ass to get her kid into travel hockey and only for him to make it nowhere. Or, you know, the, the success story of a, a, a poor white family in BC or wherever it is, or Michigan or Minnesota or Florida, like 
that doesn't take away from that. But, you know, systemically, these uh, this is a predominantly white sport. And to have, for Evander Kane to have allies in the league who have stepped forward and said the right thing is extremely important. Um, words are words, of course, and actions are different. And, and you want to see a follow-up to this but in, in how it's practiced. But it means a lot for the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the most prominent uh, organizations in sports, let alone the NHL, um, come forward and, and, you know, step into the ring like this. He, he really, really, uh, took a lot of ownership in something that he, he wasn't forced to and didn't have to. And, um, in a time that's been really tough and, and that's been taxing and I'm not even at, like, I'm not involved. I'm not at the protests. I'm not black. Like it, it this is, that was something that I, was a pleasant surprise to see. One of the things I've noticed that's really interesting about this situation from a Red Wings perspective, because I'm not going to get into the whole America debate, because uh, like when we talk about finances or other major subjects, I'm not qualified to talk about it. I have my opinions, but they're I don't know if they're good opinions. I don't know if they're bad opinions. I'm not qualified. I'm a white male who has had a privileged, easy life. Not even going to tackle this, but... From a Detroit Red Wings standpoint, a lot of things were interesting because as of, I want to say it was Tuesday morning at whatever time, someone put together a chart of all professional uh, teams from the four major sports in North America. And yes, hockey is one of the four major sports. Screw you, Max Kellerman. Um, who had put a statement. And almost every NBA team, and I'd say about... 70 to 80 percent of the nhl teams and about 50 50 for uh, nfl and mlb at that point had posted something so nba and nhl was almost entirely covered the city of detroit their sports teams were 0 for 4 at that point they were late um eventually they did but like that was very noteworthy especially considering the illiches control two of those teams then so this was about 9 or 10 a.m i posted that stat which by the way guys i was just posting a stat my comments were a nightmare after that so thanks for that um but about an hour after that the red wings released their statement their post um whatever you want to call it within 30 minutes of that post every major player and prospect in the red wing system had theirs up so there's no way that was a coincidence. The organization was absolutely controlling that. No, a hundred percent. That was, yeah, it was coordinated from the ownership group down. And the moment the, the Red Wings weren't one of the first teams coming out, I was like, okay, well then this is, they're, they're waiting to be careful or, or craft their message and coordinate everyone. So they come out at the same time, that standard or at least standard expectation. I don't like that. Players, Yes, I get they have a responsibility to their organizations. I get that the team doesn't want to look bad. I don't care. Players should be allowed to have their opinions. If Larkin wants to get ahead of the curve and, and issue his message of support, he should be able to do that without having to back the organization first. And this isn't, I understand this isn't a hockey thing. I understand this isn't even a Red Wings thing. It's a, a business organizational thing. This is not an uncommon practice. I am 100% aware of that. I don't like that. I don't. I, I'm a big believer in freedom of opinion. I don't care if I agree with it or disagree with it. You should be able to point it. Um, like, But so if Larkin and Mantha and everybody want to get ahead of the curve, get a message out, all the power to them. I hate that organizations will restrict 
uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say freedom of speech, but to restrict a player's ability to post an opinion like that. Yeah, the 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 benefit of the doubt says this is a delicate situation. They want to make sure everyone's saying the right thing. But let's be real. The organization itself, their response is lackluster. It was weak. Um, when the Jeremy Jacobs owned Boston Bruins puts out a substantially better statement than you, you know, you're not really coming out <laughs> far ahead. That said, like I mentioned before, like I'm not, I wasn't expecting a lot from the organizations and that doesn't let anyone off the hook, but much like when we talk about uh, looking up to NHL players personally, and I say, don't let your kids look up to NHL players for anything other than hockey, because you're going to set yourself up for failure. Um, I don't look for businesses to um, set the example here. Some of them do a great job and some of them don't, and some of them don't say anything and, and they're businesses, they're money driven organizations. And whether we like it or not, professional sports teams are no different. Um, and so they're not going to be coming out with the statements that, um, I think we would want to see from them necessarily all the time. Um, is Sam Gagne, like he had a great statement and I was like, and he linked to like, uh, I think it was either like a FAQ page or a donation page for a black lives matter related, uh, a fundraiser. And I was like, that's great, man. Like I love seeing that from Sam Gagne. Hell yeah. The guy's been here for like four days <laughs> and he's doing that. I, I tend to agree, Brad. I think, if the organization's not going to do it, you know, 100%, and, and I, my expectation is that they're not, I might be going light on them, and, and I don't, wouldn't argue with anyone who would expect more, for sure, but um, you would want the players to have the ability to do more. 100%. And again, we don't know if where this is coming from in the Red Wings organization and, and where in their heart it's coming from, but... Uh, I did see a lot of hate going towards uh, specifically Christopher Illich when people caught on to that. I do want to point out one thing. Mike Illich still has one of the ultimate boss moves of all time before he passed where he paid Rosa Parks rent so she could live for free until the day she died. So the the Illiches will always have that going for them. Yeah, that that's the kind of thing where um, it instills in me the notion that like no matter what business decisions are made at a personal level, there's a good intention there. Um, but like you alluded to, Brad, there's, there's so much unknown here that I don't really care to speculate. Um, and like I said before, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. It It is. And I, I support you on that because I'm the guy. I, I, I'm a firm believer, and you guys have heard me rant about this time and time again. Hockey is entertainment it's supposed to be fun if you look at who i follow on twitter it's 98 percent hockey pages when i go to twitter when i go wherever it's it's to take a mental break i want to lose myself in hockey conversations arguments clips highlights games i want to be my nothing about my twitter feed this week has been relaxing it's been stressful it's been mind-numbing it's been painful it's it's hurt my soul but I've been sticking through it because this is all stuff that we need to be at least informed on. Like if, if you're just burying your head in the sand, I don't care what side of the fence you fall on. You're not doing anybody any favors. Yeah. Um, it, it, I get it. And we're not going to ramble about this too much longer. I'm, I'm, we're sorry guys for, for the pe- people listening who are like me, who use sports as an outlet to get away from real life because real life sucks. <laughs> We're going to get to the hockey talk very soon, and, and we appreciate you getting this far. Yeah, and, and just to close out here, like, 
So more than anything, uh, what I want to say is to all of our listeners, um, we want you guys to be staying safe. Um, COVID-19 is obviously still very real. Um, and we want you to, if you're able to, um, be practicing, you know, social distancing and wear a mask if you can. And if you, you stay indoors or, or stay away from, you know, um, external contact as much as possible. But if you are outside, if you, if you do have to go because you're an essential worker or you're back to work right now, or you're at the protest, no matter what you're doing, just be safe. Um, we want everyone to come home at the end of the and end of the night. So, um, we have all of you, all of you guys in mind, and we hope everybody is, um, you know, keeping well or as much as possible right now. Like Brad said, thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, we're going to talk in the future about like really good organizations that you can support. Um, um, but for now, um, we're going to move on to uh, hockey. And and again, thanks for bearing with us. So, all right, guys, what did we have on the docket here? Uh, the NHL actually released news the day of a podcast before we recorded we know how the playoffs are gonna work oh yeah let's do um we know that it's gonna be reseeded best of five in the playing round best of seven all the way through the four rounds of the playoffs perfect perfect that was the first glimmer of good news i've seen in seven days (laughs) understanding that we were gonna go with the 24 team whether we want it or not We've already debated that. Yes, this was the correct way to do this. I don't love um, the three-game round robin for the one to four seeds to determine seeding for the playoffs. I don't like that. I get that the higher seed gets the tiebreaker. Still don't love that because if Tukarask, uh, hypothetically for Boston, blows a groin or, or tweaks a knee in the first game and they have to ride uh, a backup and lose all three games and now they're the fourth seed, yeah, that can't be fair just because they had a bad week. But uh, beyond that, yeah, best of five to get the playoffs going. Going to be a lot of uh, high seeds bounced, I think, because in a best of five, anything can happen from an entertainment value standpoint. I'm excited. I'm very excited, which is a win for the NHL, because if I am as the skeptical asshole that I am, people who aren't skeptical assholes are going to love this. So, yeah, I I think they did um, well. I've been getting questions about like, um, you know, what do you think about this facet of it? 24 teams. I was like, Oh, I don't think that's the best move. And they're like, what do you think about the round Robin? I'm like, yeah, I don't really love that. They're like, what do you think about them? Not calling it a playoff. I'm like, "Mm, it doesn't really make sense to me. Oh, what do you think about the whole system? Love it. Entertaining. Hell yeah. Why not? Let's get crazy. Let's get weird. Does it make sense? No, none of it makes sense. Is it equitable? No. Is it fair? No. If you want to finish the season, you got to pull some, you know, bullshit out of your hat to make it work. And that's what this is. And it's at least going to be fun. And bless the the reseeding is one of the core tenets of one of the biggest like stakes of hockey purism that I stick to, which is the playoffs. Bracketing does not belong in the NHL playoffs. I am all for the chaos that is reseeding. Anybody can play anybody. That's how you create rivalries. That's how you create genuinely um, entertaining series that you weren't expecting before. Stuff that isn't contrived. Is it going to take away the possibility of watching us, uh, having us watch um, Toronto lose to Boston yet again? Of course, and that's sad. But never I, take I, I, away. Still possible. As long still as, possible. As long as all the high seeds win in the East, Boston would still play Toronto, assuming Boston finishes first. 
So it's still there and never take away Toronto's ability to ram their faces into Boston in the first or second round. So it's there. Um, but I love, love, love reseeding. That's kind of one of those old traditional hockey things that I have a really hard time letting go of. I understand that like bracketing is better for advertising and it's better for, for casual or fringe fans, which are important to the sport and the growth of the game. But reseeding is just, it reminds me of like, it reminds me of one through eight in the Western conference when Detroit didn't know if they were playing Dallas or, you know, Columbus or whoever it might be. So I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that the NHL is making that move. And I think it was the PA who pushed that. So good on the PA, like good on the, the players associate association for pushing that. Yes. It's amazing how the players would want a fair chance at the Stanley cup. <laughs> well, it makes sense, right? Like if you're the first seed or you're the last seed, you should be rewarded appropriately. And like at when you do bracketing, like you get, you get fantastic hockey that's being played way too early. You get conference finals that aren't the best of either conference. You get Stanley Cup finals where some of it can be attributed to the right team running into the uh, like the wrong team at the right time, if that makes sense. Like they're running into someone who's tired or um, they knocked out another one seed earlier and now they, they're playing someone that they're better matched against. Like there's no reason to the two top seeds in the East should be playing in the second round. There's no reason to to bracket like this and declare like divisional champions in the playoffs. That doesn't make sense. The only, in my mind, the, the, you can only recognize three different kinds of winners in the Stanley Cup playoffs: Eastern Conference champs, Western Conference champs, and Stanley Cup champs. Those are the only ones in my head that are valid. Um, and I I really really hate any kind of bracketing. And so, even if it's temporary, I'm happy for like the one year reprieve from that. And then you get back to the terrible regular playoff system the NHL has. Yeah, well. Well, that won't be for years. <laughs> right. Like. Did you Ooh. hear this talk that the NHL might actually, because of this, uh, delay the start of every season because they like the idea of not overlapping with the NBA and they're like toying with the idea of doing the Stanley Cup Finals in July every year? Again, I can't see how you convince the players to take that. No, that is so dumb. There's no, 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 I don't. People Maybe will be, be more entertaining than the NBA, which I would argue it is. I mean, we're a hockey podcast. I think we could all confidently argue that hockey is the most entertaining sport, period. Or any else most sport of us wouldn't be listening. Mu- any sport that plays music while the play is on, not a good sport. But I like, <laughs> I like lacrosse. Not a good sport. <laughs> Look. Right now, I'm at the point where any sports that are on, I'm gonna watch. Like, I'm gonna watch the Bucks. Like, I've been a Bucks fan my whole life. You know, I like, never asked you. Did you guys watch the match too? Of course not. It was wait. The best. There, there was a second one with Brady and Manning. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I like that. Yeah, I watched that. I, yeah, that I was the second iteration of that. Oh, okay. That was the best sports I've watched all year. Uh, I love Chuck's commentary. I love Chuck's wager. He's like, if you put this on the fairway, he fucking <laughs> muffs it right into the, the rough. Yeah, I would be happy if he was a regular commentator on all sports. Um, He's a big, big hockey fan. He's went on NBA bot broadcast and publicly stated that the NHL playoffs were better. So I'm a huge Charles Barkley fan. Is he a Blackhawks fan? I don't know. Uh, trying to think where he played. He spent a lot of time in Phoenix. I I, I would have so much respect if he showed up in a, to a broadcast in a Kachina jersey. 
That'd be <laughs> sweet. Hey, they're going. Did we talk about this? They're going with their Kachina jersey full time for home games. Love it. Yeah. Is it is hey. it just this season or is it? I think it, it'll have to be moving forward, right? Like, there's no way they're going to do that and then take it away from the fans. Uh, um, all right. So, yeah, quick Google search here just for reference. There is a lot of Charles Barkley Hawks pictures and mm-hmm. also Coyotes. Good for him. I think he first started his career in Philadelphia. Yeah, he started with the Sixers, then went to, I want to say, Phoenix and then Houston. I'm not sure. Uh, that's beyond my knowledge. Anyways, um, so that return to play is good. The NHL officially announced uh, phase two is has been agreed to, um, which encompasses a few things. Um, players returning to as per like local local uh, legislation allowing um, returning to the team's home city to participate in individualized training activities off ice and on ice um it's all voluntary so if a player doesn't want to they don't have to if they can't obviously that's not gonna be a problem um i think it's a max of five or six players at a time and then they limit the amount of uh, team staff that can be there um phase two is a lot about just getting players warmed up they they made a specific point to say that this isn't training camp it's not a replacement for training camp it's just kind of getting the rust off and at least getting them on the ice so um that's going to look different from you know state to state to province to country um and and it's going to look different based on what teams can get what players back over so if there's players overseas and they can't make it back or they're not comfortable coming back or, you know, they've been recently exposed. Like there's a penguins player who's tested positive that they came out and said, so, um, that's not going to be every player coming back at once. And obviously it only affects 24 teams, the red wings and their other six, um, non-playoff teams are, are not going to be doing this, but, um, there's at least some semblance of, of trip trickling back into, uh, team, uh, team cities and then getting onto the ice. So, slowly but surely coming back i've seen more to suggest that any july start is ambitious and it's going to be august at the very least god that means we're getting a draft in november unless they sack up and just say nope draft in july we have to do it before yeah don't hold on to that dream man i I don't want to be I don't want you to have your hopes let down. It's 2020 has been a rough year. We can't, we can't have any more hopes crushed. By the way, did you see that uh, they were recording earthquakes uh, near the super volcano in uh, Yellowstone? That was a news, <laughs> news headline I saw this week. Someone just posted, who had super volcano for June? <laughs> super volcano would only re- make sense for the season finale, though, right? In December. Yeah, no, that's not coming until December. A hundred percent. Either that er- or... Or November super volcano, December asteroid. Well, it's going to be September, October um, hurricanes, right? Like abnormally strong hurricane season this year, which is a lot to say for the last like five years of abnormally strong hurricane seasons. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's the NHL's return to play. Obviously, more is going to come on that um, as the teams actually begin to practice literally on the ice. Um, it's good to see the the rules uh, be agreed to. So the four best of sevens is nice to see preserved. The reseeding is nice to see brought back. Um, and as gimmicky as it is, it looks like we at least have the framework to get hockey back. So fingers crossed that those um, COVID numbers stay down. Congratulations. We figured out the easiest part. Yeah. It, it, 
the most controllable part as well. Yeah, for real. Um, the playoff preview. Do we want to do playoff preview or draft profile first? All right. Well, we're on the topic of playoffs. Yeah. So we're going to do playoff previews. Um, as it comes, we might double back to them. We might discuss them more than once, or we might give them not a ton of attention, depend on depending on the series. So, um, it kind of just depends on when things come back and, and what it looks like. So for now, uh, let's talk about a series in the West, which is the Winnipeg Jets against the Calgary Flames, which I think has the potential to be a pretty interesting series. Why did you say Flames like you were confused that was their team name? I don't know. Weird inflection. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh. doing a radio voice. Brad, over to you. Don't ever do that again. No. So this this might actually be, from a hockey standpoint, one of the most fun series uh, we could see because Winnipeg, to me, was probably the biggest underachievers of the regular season with the talent they have in Connor Hellebuck. Probably winning the Vesna, at least should be winning the Vesna. They are coming into this strong Calgary with a big old question mark in net, but still have Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk and company. I still like Winnipeg more on paper. I think Matthew Kachuk is going to drive the Jets absolutely insane, and they don't have Bufflin to clean up the mess. So with Winnipeg's defense being as bad as it is, Calgary's goaltending being as questionable as it is, this series is shaping up to be all offense all the time, and both teams have the forward groups to do it. So out of all the series in the first round, there's a very real possibility this is going to be the most entertaining. Johnny Goudreau had a pretty rough year, all things considered. He, he what never really was scoring or, or making plays at the clip that he can. Um, that's not something I anticipate sticking. And it's just one of those like prototypical stories in my mind where like a player who's just been snake bitten all year. What an opportunity this would be for him to come back and make an impact, you know, take some time off. Um, everything's kind of a reset. Everyone's starting from fresh here. All of a sudden, boom, Johnny Goudreau comes back and is the MVP of the series. Um, another obvious storyline in my mind, and this is one that I would probably put a lot of stock in, is, is Connor Hellebuck stealing the series, whether or not Winnipeg scores enough to support it. I could see him taking games away from Calgary. Um, if you have guys like Johnny Goudreau who are snake bitten, and then you run into Connor Hellebuck, who had, by all rights was one of the best players in the NHL this season in terms of what he brought to his team, I can see him putting the Jets over the edge. And if you look at records, these teams were pretty evenly matched. I think they had identical points percentage or something like that. So um, it'll be a a really, really good series. I think anytime you see a series between two Western Canadian teams, there's just that natural rivalry there. I think the only way this would have been beat is if it was Edmonton, Calgary, but we couldn't be so lucky. I mean... Your point about Goudreau having a bounce back after a rough season, like that's going to be a big theme of the playoffs is the guys who underachieved are now getting a fresh slate. Are What are they going to do with it? Do you know who else underachieved in this series? Most of the Winnipeg Jets. So I, I feel bad for Calgary because by what they were expected to do, had a all right season by Winnipeg standards, what they're expected to do did not have a good season. So if everything balances back to the normal Calgary probably draws the short straw here, but it's a big if there are so many variables with players not playing for three to five months and 
everybody getting healthy when teams weren't healthy throughout the season, it's it's going to be impossible to figure out what's going to happen. And I love it. Yeah, it'll. <clears throat> I think one thing that'll really help um, Winnipeg is the fact that they had like four or five 20 goal scorers and Kyle Connor had 38. And I don't think Calgary had anybody over 30 goals. So, I mean, yeah, people cool off, but having, you know, at least some proven depth uh, scoring coming from multiple players, I think that gives you a bit of an edge. Plus, what they've got going in net. Always, I think the big question with the Jets this season is who's playing defense? It might be me. (laughs) (laughs) If If they pay you the right price. Five bucks. Oh, geez. Five American dollars. Yes, that is a lot of money. What are you guys thinking for predictions? If you had to put your odds down, who's taking it in, in how many games? I'll go Winnipeg in four. Winnipeg in four was actually my answer as well. Um, I th- I'm counting on Connor Hellebuck to stymie the... Uh, the f- Wait, is this out of... F- this is best of seven? Best of five. This this is the play. Oh, I was gonna say, wow, that's that's a bold. <laughs> that's very bold. Yeah, I guess um, it is weird to he- hear like Winnipeg in four, considering a best of five. Yeah, my brain just didn't compute that for a second. I was like, am I crazy? I think Calgary should get at least one game. With the way the NHL is already, games are most likely a coin flip when you get to the playoffs. So I'd expect them to get at least one. But I think. The offense for Winnipeg is a little bit more depthful, and I think they win the goaltending debate. And I don't think, with this layoff, I think defensive systems will really be normalized between all the teams. So I'd kind of throw that one out the window. So I think Winnipeg's going to take it. Winnipeg in four as well? Yeah, I I can't discount Calgary from winning one. So now we know it's going to be Calgary in three, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Again, like as gimmicky as all these series are like this is going to be a fun series to watch and it's probably one of the most low profile ones which is really in my mind good so <laughs> low profile to most of our listeners not where we live this is an all canadian matchup so this is going to be the lead story every night the leafs aren't playing oh there's yeah. always something a little bit more when western uh western province teams play each other too and it, it's nice for us as canadian hockey fans who cheer for an american team who then hate all the Canadian teams that play in the Red Wings division. We like, for the most part, the Western Canadian teams. We can actually enjoy this. I'll cheer for Winnipeg because of the sweet jerseys and the fact that Detroit has no built-up rivalry with them. I still remember the Calgary-Detroit series of old. Uh, Which one, the good one or the bad one? (laughs) Both? (laughs) I try to forget 04, but uh, 07 was fun. 07 was when Franzen took the stick to the gut, right? Uh, I think so. That was He also had the double OT series winner in game six. Robert Lang, I remember putting a dagger in Calgary at one point. Oh, yeah. Fun times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Draft prospect profile. Brad, who is it today? Vancouver Giants center Justin Surdiff. He is, uh, the, the deeper I go in this draft on my deep dives, like I, I'm well into the second round now, this draft has a lot of small, highly skilled forwards who don't skate particularly well. 
And here we have Justin Sortif, who fits it to a bill. Uh, so he had was near a point-per-game player in the WHL, uh, split uh, almost evenly between goals and assists. Um, amazing puck skills, really good hockey IQ, but okay shot and okay skating. So given that, I would have liked to have seen his production be a little higher. I'm aware Vancouver wasn't like a juggernaut in the WHL, but uh, he had an all right Halinka. I-, I think he was expected, and I- I'm going back a year, so uh, forgive me for not, but I-, I thought his expectations for the season were higher than what he actually delivered, which is going to sour a few teams. Um, he's He is a competitor, though, and from a Red Wing standpoint, he- he's got that box ticked which is going to be a big plus in Eisenman's favor because this guy is all over the ice despite his average foot speed so I, I think I have him rated as a late second early third round prospect right now but I've seen him as high as a uh, very early second on some boards yeah I don't particularly rate him as small like I think he comes in a shade under six feet he's not too like it's not too skinny either. Tell so girls on Tinder. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he may as well be a hobbit. I and tell uh, girls I'm 5'11". When people ask my real height, I say, okay, I'm 5'10", but in reality, I'm like 5'9 and three quarters. Okay, I'm exactly 5'8 and a half. Uh, but, uh, Brad, Brad's 5'4", don't let him lie to you. I am 10 pounds heavier than Justin Sordiff. So, yeah, he's small. He's small boy. Um, The thing about him is like... At the range that the Red Wings would have to draft him, I'm not particularly intrigued with what he brings to the table. Sorry, Mel was coming to bring a refill. Um, I'm not particularly intrigued with what he brings to the table, but at the same time, like I don't think he'd be a bad pick. If he's there at like late second or early third, I'm going for him. In my mind, he has that kind of upside. I don't ever see him becoming you know a top six winger um he does have skill like he does have skills but like you've mentioned brad like he did not produce but he wasn't producing at in a clip that would suggest that the guy with his kind of skill set was producing it consistently you know um and i think part of that has to do with his average ish speed i think it's okay um and but something that might make him kind of like a Red Wings target is the guy works his absolute ass off. That is just like the Steve Eisman, bam, gold star. Like you give it 110 and you have some skill. Like that is a player that they would love to have in their system. Whether they anticipate him being, you know, a fourth line guy or a third line winger who's a power play specialist, like that, I, I wouldn't be disappointed in picking him up for sure. Um, he just kind of, for me, he doesn't have that swing for the fences in the first two rounds kind of uh, pedigree unless i'm i'm selling him short there well he'd be an interesting case study in draft philosophy so if you're sitting there with let's say the red wings second or third second round pick which are both going to be late and you put him up next to a guy like let's say casper uh simon Teval, who is tiny high skill top six only option but less likely to make it than Surtif. Because I think with his skill set, Surtif is a is a good bet to play a bunch of NHL games. I don't think any of those games are going to be in a top six role. I, I think his best case scenario is uh, depth scoring on the third line, which isn't a bad thing. 
And if you get a guy who plays on your like five, six, seven seasons on your third line in the sec- late second round, you're happy. That's a good pick, um, which I think people lose sight of. But are, do you want to take the lower, uh, like the lower ceiling, higher floor guy versus the higher ceiling, lower floor guy? I think a lot of teams are going to have that debate on Surtif in this range. Yeah, and that's fair. Like, if you have a wealth of, of picks in the middling rounds, like the Red Wings aren't lacking picks. They have their first-round pick, three second-round picks, and two third-round picks, right? So if they want to take some safety guys as well, and I'm not even saying Sertif has no upside. Like, he does. Like, what if he makes it to the NHL, and all of a sudden that talent that we've seen only in flashes comes through more consistently? Like, that's a, a tale as old as time for hockey players. Um, but if they want to take guys who are a little bit less, like, all-risk um, all reward he'd fit the bill great I, I would not be at all disappointed with him because i think he still has upside and I, I still see him as someone who if he quote unquote puts it together uh being on an nhl team um i put a lot of stock in skating and, and so the lack of, of foot speed or not i shouldn't say lack of foot speed but um the fact that skating isn't a uh an asset of his that's that's particularly strong doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that he is going to put it together in a way that we haven't seen so far um but how much can you really ask of uh, an early third or a late second round pick and and one of the other frustrating thing maybe this is just me because again like now that we're into our like i'm into my second and third round picks these are not guys i've watched uh, 10 plus times in a season i think i've caught maybe three games of sort of at most and then a couple highlights and then done a lot of reading but between those three games of his i saw three very different games which is the problem one game he took over you could see how sick his hands were and he was all over the ice uh the other game he was not quite as effective offensively but just battling his ass off you could see him absolutely flying around the ice in the third game i barely noticed him it's so again it's interesting but frustrating because you see flashes of what he could be but at least i didn't see it all that often so and and that being said too even watching the halenka i don't remember a thing from him in that tournament it's it's the thing that we've said multiple times like he has the kind of talent where it's like oh yeah man like he has skills like guy's got soft hands he has playmaking ability he he sees the ice offensively and then you're like you just wish he was more consistent. And then you're like, well, if he was more consistent, he'd be rated as like a high second first round pick. So it's what we said before, you know, if I was a much better hockey player, I would have made the show. And that's the only thing that was to it. Also, I would have needed to have been bigger and less of a little bitch, but that's a different story. I always get that accusation. They're like, your mama didn't raise no bitch. I'm like, yes, she did. Like, she'll tell you that. Are you kidding? Have you met me? (laughs) Come on. I'm not, I'm real about that at this point. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a name to note and, uh, like you, Brad, he's not someone that I've watched a ton, but at the same time, I've not done the extensive research that you have. I'm at the point now where I'm having to start to watch and find more video because with the amount of these that we're going to have to do before the draft, I'm like, I don't have a great read on like a lot of second and third round guys. And I wasn't expecting to talk about them. So having to continually, uh, improve the knowledge. I miss hockey shifts. Yeah, prospect shifts was a lifesaver. It's become a real, real pain in the ass. The quarantine was great at the beginning. I had all the time in the world to watch all the hockey I wanted. I got fully caught up, watched 
tons of stuff on the first round prospects. And then I'm like, time to get in the second round. Ring, ring. Hi, Brad. You're going back to work. Okay. Well, I'm still not really going anywhere or doing anything. So at least when I'm not at work, I'll have some time. And now today I measured out the deck I'm going to be building. And I'm digging out a front garden. And I have kids. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm going to be very tired because all my viewings are going to be at nine o'clock at night or later for the foreseeable future. Evan, do you have kids? Nope. I don't either. I've huh. played golf every single day since Saturday, except for how, golf. how, um, Evan you has have been- a membership, right? Yes. Okay. I was going to okay. say, <laughs> uh, Evan's phone. The only thing that exists on Evan's phone besides like text from cat to tell him to keep it down is uh text from me to like links to people's golf club sets. Is this worth it? Is this those, worth it? Those are the only texts I've been getting recently. Uh, and Evan gives me the same answer every time. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a great point. And then I completely ignore his advice. And I send him another like overpriced set of clubs. I'm like, is this worth it? So <laughs> the answer is always no, but also <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's how I feel. Uh, again, I can't do it because canoes are expensive. Um, okay. Anything else that we want to cover? We did return to play. We did uh, playoff reseeding. We did the prospect profile. Anything else that we want to cover before heading into overtime? I got nothing. All right. We will go into overtime. I don't even know how far into this episode we are because we have been disconnected. As is tradition. It's oh yeah, this is this is going to be the choppiest episode in the history of the <laughs> podcast. Are you guys uh, okay? Are you guys going to be okay after this, or are you going to go straight to bed? I'm are going any- straight to bed. This is past my bedtime. Are yeah. any of us really okay? <laughs> Actually, today's been a weird day for me. Uh, I am caffeinated, which never happens. Oh Jesus! And That's I, so I knew something was wrong today. Oh yeah, no, you don't haven't. I'm appreciative you haven't pointed out my face yet, but I am also severely sunburned because uh, I've been out. I was outside from about nine to uh, shortly before we recorded this podcast. It was a brutal day. We started recording at like nine thirty, so like twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I am. Uh, I am. The the sad thing is, I am burnt to a crisp, and I was slathered in suntan lotion. Uh, it's a life I don't have to live. Um, this is a technically a midweek episode, even though we know it's being recorded on a late Thursday. Um, and thus, uh, Patreon is, or the overtime is Patreon exclusive. So we are going to read out uh, questions and comments from our patrons uh, as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show through uh, this hockey shutdown. Yakaruta says, are there any players you guys like but can't exactly figure out why or like for a strange slash silly reason, like name, hometown, or stuff like that? Are we talking about prospects or NHLers? Nah, either, I'm sure. Uh, I got a bunch, but I'm trying to think of... Uh, I've always been pretty sympathetic to Mitch Marner, and it's like he's not... As far as superstars go, like it's not a particularly intriguing story. Like he's a kid from the GTA ish who had a lot of talent and a like crazy hockey dad who's, you know, he made it to the NHL. But I think it's just like I see how much garbage Mitch Marner takes from like the Toronto fan base that is like has the best team that they've ever had in their entire lives and they're like trade Mitch Marner. And then I'm just like, yeah, I hope this kid does well now because that's must suck to put up with. 
like I was just thinking about all my favorite players from other teams are, are for the most part fairly big superstars where it's like when I say uh, Eric Carlson or Henrik Lundqvist, I, I don't think anybody's super confused as to why anybody would like them. I, I think the one guy I've always been kind of a fan of, even though he's been a bottom six journeyman, is Michael Froelich for some reason. I don't know why, but I've kind of always followed him and, and was a fan of his and whatever. He's had an all right career. Um, Dead Panda Society says, hey, guys, part two of my roster creation includes the goat Abdelkader. Who else do you think? Zadina, Hronik, and Cholosky in the actual best prospect cider. So far, you're all pretty close, close to the original ratings, except Mantha was an 84. Whoa. Also, I was wondering if you've done any reading because of the quarantine. I've been doing a lot. Any audiobooks or ebooks you recommend? Thanks for all you do, and thanks for helping with my roster. Uh, take care, golf guy, cop guy, and Ryan is a prick guy. Just kidding, you're all awesome. Also, it was uh, Alexi who wants to go to maybe uh, Europe that you were talking about last podcast. I think it was me who couldn't remember that. Should Eisman give a shot for Sean Day? He cleared waivers, right? Uh, yeah, and no. Um, ratings for these players: Abdulkader. Zero. Can we go into the negatives? I don't think they give much lower than 70, so I'll say 70. Sure. Um, Zadina, right now, 79. 80. Screw you. That Hironic. game is weird, man. I bet you that he would be like an 83. It could go either way, I think. Heronic, I think, would be like an 82. Mm, yeah, that sounds about right. Cholos- I higher. Cholosky, I could see as like a 78. Uh, I, I I have a feeling the way the rest of the NHL views him, he'll be lower than that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Insider hasn't actually played yet, so I guarantee they gave him like an 83. <laughs> <laughs> they give him a 12. He might not even have his picture in there. Yeah. Alex Ott says, I caved and bought a super deker. Ryan, it's worth it. I shoot righty and Brad, you weren't kidding when you said that left wrists would be sore from this thing. Guess I got to start mix- mixing in a batch of lefty every once in a while. Um... <laughs> lefty what <laughs> his next line funny enough is censor this if necessary didn't know if i could cross that line funny I thing is you believe fold- ryan didn't catch on to that i fooled 100 percent fooled me i told you guys i am genuinely exhausted <laughs> i am mentally wiped and i did not for a second oh my god that's awesome Anyways, who do you think on the wings? Uh, who do you think on the wings loses out the most by not playing for an extended period of time outside of the prospects who are losing development time? Older players who will be even more rusty, or the younger roster guys? Thanks for the constant entertainment and stay safe. I would definitely say the older players. Yeah, like in a short short term, how is it going to affect them next season? Definitely the older players. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, I haven't been able to watch the last two episodes, so forgive me if you've already covered this. Ad nauseum, I usually come here to offer something witty and fun for readers and ask a question to satisfy my curiosity. I usually fail miserably, but today uh, can't be about me. Instead, my question is, could you guys please conduct a new version of the Mike Milbury Minute? Silence in our daily lives is violence, but silence on the air is insanely valuable. So could you please pause and give us a mere 10 seconds of dead silence on the podcast so we can all think briefly of what we can do to address the inequalities faced by black communities in America and elsewhere. 10 seconds of silence to reflect for the betterment of others who don't often have a voice or for us to simply quiet the voices of the many. Uh, quiet the voices many of us enjoy with a privilege others don't get to by no fault of their own. Just 10 seconds. I think that's a great idea. 
And uh, whether you heard that or not, because I think our editing software might have clipped that out a little bit. Um, appreciate that well thought out message, Garrett. Uh, CNOD says, hey guys, do you think we could see a reality that there's a wings red and white group of games for development and overall game style practice while the postseason is going on that would get an audience and something for fans to watch during the almost year off. I don't know the rules behind putting that together, but I do remember when the Tigers swept the round before the World Series, they brought Toledo in to play some games to stay sharp. Didn't work, but it was a good idea. And everything this is uh, everything this is different and annoying, so let's get something out of it. Um, or if at anything this is different and annoying so let's get something out of it um if it's out of the rules this is time to waive them or make an exception for these seven teams for there are only seven teams out of the playoffs make a summer tourney in traverse city even whatever i miss hockey also have you made attempts to be a part of the press conferences like the one by stevie any stories to share about attempts or future plans um i'll address that first um you know i, I understand that we're a podcast and, and pretty non-traditional media we have tried in the past we thought we would have a really good angle to get in on stuff like that and and got a (laughs) pretty firm uh no and so we'll keep pushing but um i I know a lot of non-traditional media runs into the same thing in the nhl so um it's not to say that you know anyone's being a jerk to us or being an asshole but um I think it's just about breaking the barrier and, and it might take a little while for a podcast to be accepted as like a, uh, an acceptable form of media, that, that thing. So we're going to keep pushing to get there and, and hopefully in the future. But, um, for now, um, I think the last time we, we tried was for like mid to mid late of last season. So, um, I would love to see like a red and white game or like a mini tournament. I don't know if they will do a tournament, but I can see them doing something. They have to get on the ice on TV at some point before next season, right? How? <laughs> yeah, how is right. <laughs> and why would players want to do that for free? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't think it'd be hard to convince the players to say like, hey, the, the season or the, t- the fans need this because they won't see you for a long time, even if it's not every player, right? Like, if Nielsen's not making it out there, that's fine. But I imagine Larkin would. I don't know. There needs to be something else besides this draft and draft lottery. Fans need to be engaged. Uh, Alex Zucko says, hey, Dub Dub Dudes, thank you again for continuing to keep us all fully in the loop during this unusual time, shall we say. The content is more appreciated than you guys will ever know, and the pod is truly the best of its kind for Wings coverage. Hey, thank you, Alex. That means a lot. No BS, you guys do a great job. I'm curious what you uh, guys make of the significant difference in opinion among certain NHL draft experts on Rossi, Stutzla, and Raymond. Depending on the rankings you're looking at, you'll see them scrambled all over 3 to 10 range. Feeling resigned to the likely fact that the Red Wings fall in the four lottery fall to four in the lottery i'm grasping for all the good waves i can get on the prospects outside of lafreniere and byfield cheers alex well unfortunately a lot of old stereotypes in hockey scouting world haven't gone away yet rossi is all over the place because he's small boy um and much like i mentioned with sort of uh he falls into that trend of small player who's not particularly fast and that concerns people always raymond's a better skater than rossi but not by a ton and he's also small and had a limited role on a very good team so he's that age-old lack of production as a 17 year old in a very very good league and stutzla um has the issue of playing in a very how do i phrase this unusual league 
underscouted as well underscouted league not anymore he obviously got a lot of viewings but people don't know how to make his performance in the del out versus the shl or a junior league because it's not as good as the shl or the khl or the liga but it's a better league than the chl and uh the ushl etc etc so He's kind of in a in that tweener league, and even though he had a good year, people don't know what to make of it, so they really, really have to trust their eyes with his skill set. So I think with Raymond and Rossi, it's more natural concerns that we see all the time that even if you don't agree with them, some scouts still hold dear. Stutzla's just in a weird spot. Yeah, I think a lot... Like, one of this is you're getting top end players through pick like six arguably depending on who you are you think that you can get a a top two talent all the way through pick six depending on where you you swing your bat um and that naturally when you get that much top end talent um is going to coalesce in a way that's not going to look the same from draft ranking to draft ranking at the same time um you have these top end players who present elite in different ways you know stutzla phenomenal skater maybe the best skater in the draft probably the best skater in the draft you know quentin byfield has like the physical tools and the skill set to match it um you look at a guy like holtz who can just kind of put the puck in the net and that's he might be a standout in that category you you have marco rossi who is if you avoid his size and you might be good to do so, depending on the way the NHL is trending, the most complete centerman that you could draft right now um, that has demonstrated that ability beyond what even Quentin Byfield has done. Cause obviously Rossi is, uh, has had more time and, and um, is a little bit more proven cause he's had the time to prove it. So it, it's not, I don't think it's a testament to the players or anyone getting it wrong. I think it's just like these top players ju- like jumble up in so many ways and certain people are going to value different things. And when you come to the draft, you're going to see certain teams value different things depending on their scouts that they have and their positional need. Um, I don't mind seeing it. There's a lot that I disagree with for sure, but at the same time, it, it, it inspires a lot of confidence that people could be getting um, a great pick at pick six or a team that's picking ninth could get, you know, the second best player in the draft or um, a team that's picking fourth, like the Red Wings are, are likely to do, aren't really losing out that much more than, you know, the fact that they didn't win first. It, it's essentially all, as Brad would say, the gap between first and second is bigger than second to fourth. So um, that there is, it's a good sign if you're anyone other than the team drafting first overall. And if you're the team drafting first overall, well, then you have it made in the shade. Uh, Kara uh, or Kara. I'm sorry. I've never said it out loud. I'm going to assume Kara, but correct me if I'm wrong. Kara Y says, hello, dub dubs. As promised, I have fish. I have officially become a patron, but before you celebrate, I hope you know that that means the number one annoying Dilla Rose fan is now able to make comments on every episode and that you have to be nice about it. So as my introduction, I will pose this question. Who was your favorite? What was your favorite Dilla Rose moment when he was with the wings? Disclaimer, you may not answer Anything containing anything related to the trade, Steve Eisenman or Robbie Fabry. Looking forward to hearing your nice and uplifting answers, Kara. I'll say that one goal he scored. No, I was going to say the one goal he scored this year. <laughs> it was the N. Ablocator de la Rose line, right? That was the one? I think so. If I remember the goal correctly, too, it was just a simple pass in front. He was in the right spot and put it in low. Yeah, and that was like Ablocator's best play since like the 
2009 Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> but I, Della Rose did great on that line. I, I Della Rose, as far as guys go, I was fine with him. So that that's my nice thing. And apologies for messing up your name. Cordell Taves says, hey, guys, just want to start off by saying I hope whoever won the custom wings jersey got a Larkin jersey with a C. Otherwise, it's just a waste. Um, we had actually one of the previous winners of the custom jersey got a Larkin C. I got another Sim League question. As a bottom team in the league, who is drafting fifth and sixth? I'm torn between Rossi Drysdale and Rossi Holtz. Would it be worth it to trade my first uh, next year to try and get seventh overall? My pick will likely be top five next year, so there's a chance I win the lottery, but it is a weaker draft class. Thanks for your advice. Um, okay, so if, if you have that rough level of certainty with next year's draft... I would go Rossi Holtz this year and roll the dice with how strong next year's draft is for defensemen. Yeah. The um Oh, you know what? That's actually not what I was gonna answer. I was gonna say go Rossi Drysdale, diversify a little bit and keep your pick next year. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And I'm I would but I instead of taking Drysdale, I would gamble on picking my defenseman next year. I think Drysdale you you don't think Drysdale's a bigger jump than like a better player than Holtz? Like, not dramatically and i think that if he's picking let's say four to five next year between uh brant clark carson lambos or one of those guys or owen power he might end up getting some real good defensive value next year uh adam kowser says hey guys hope all is well have we heard anything from the nhl about whether the postponement of this season and eventual late start of next season is going to affect when the seattle team joins the league no official news on that. So the good news for hockey fans is that Seattle has nothing to do with NHL revenue at the moment, other than they're buying in and the NHL is getting a large influx of cash. Everyone other than Vegas, I think takes part of that 650 million. Is it? I believe so. Um, not to say that the Seattle investment group isn't, hasn't gone bankrupt and has to back out of the deal. I don't know what that looks like, but as of now, there has not been any talks about postponement of that. It's if anything, it's going to be a saving grace for, for the league. Uh, Mark says, Hey boys, every topic seems so redundant. There are so many, what if this, or what if that questions, I feel like my head is going to explode. Some of my frustration could be alleviated by playing hockey, but I haven't been on the ice for months now. Smoking, drinking and eating have become my most consistent coping mechanism. So I'm getting fatter too. Uh, me and you both, my man. When 2020 is over, let's never speak of it again. Anyways, if you haven't read Scotty Bowman's biography of Ken Dryden, it's a must read. I have not, but I will put that next on my list. See you in 2021. I'll be hibernating the rest of 2020. Thank you, Mark. We will see you then. And don't worry about the weight, buddy. Nothing in 20 calories in 2020 don't count. Ethan Boulderson says, what's up, guys? Do you think it might be a good idea for the Wings to sign uh, Chris Wagner or Austin Watson type of player to help protect some of the young guys and keep them from getting hurt while fighting? Looking at you, Mantha. Maybe just bring up Giovanni Smith. That way you don't have that roster spot taken up by an older guy. Yeah, I mean, Giovanni Smith is right there. Yeah, uh, Wagner and Watson aren't needle movers. And yeah, I I would just bring up Giovanni Smith. Uh, They're not going to be worth the contracts they're going to command and... Honestly, bottom six guys who, with, with a little bit of toughness that can play, aren't super hard to find anymore. Um, Peter Quill says, all the bad decisions by the powers that be has made hockey really annoying right now. So pop culture time. Who is your favorite character from a TV or a movie? I got to say, it's a tie for me between Captain Raymond Holt and Ron Swanson. Rosa Diaz comes in a close number two. Thanks for putting these out twice a week, even with the dead season. I look forward to and enjoy the episodes. Stay safe, boys. 
Oh man, uh, from Gregory man. House for me from from obviously House. I love Hugh Laurie in that show. Ah, uh, God, for entertainment value, I'll go uh, Walter Bishop from Fringe. I was never a Fringe guy. No. My, what it about was, uh, Michael Scott? <laughs> I was never an Office guy. Oh, Evan, if you. If you guys want to know the kind of person Evan is, Evan is the person to watch the Scott's Tots episode and just feed off the awkwardness. Like, he loves that. That is one of the most awkward shows of all time. Yeah. Awkward and cringy humor do nothing for me. Nothing. Try being your friend, man. Listen, <laughs> that's the annoying humor, which I also don't like. Oh, man, I got Evan to laugh. That's how you know it was a good get. <laughs> RC Tendy. RC Tendy says, I'm going to close my eyes, click my heels together three times and say, Alexi Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere. Open my eyes to see the wings picking forth. Hey, at least we're real about it. Uh, Joseph Delia said, oh boy. (laughs) God. He says, hello, winged wheel podcasters. I've come with some unfortunate news for you three. You've once again skipped over my comment for the second time and I've decided to take action. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. He is the best in the business. So I wish you luck because you're going to need it. Uh, the next comment is from Joseph's lawyer. <laughs> well, 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 dud, dud, talkie show people. It seems your oppression and censorship has reared its ugly head again. Violation of the terms and conditions, your terms and conditions by not reading my client, the honorable Mr. Joseph Delia's comments on your last episode. If any other patrons have been oppressed, please contact me and I will look into class action. My client is distraught that this kind of downright negligent behavior is allowed to take place. Mr. Delia was also taken aback by the poor language used two episodes ago. He was willing to let it slide, however, is now deciding to take a stand and he should be applauded for his bravery. We'll be seeking damages for breach of contract, use of naughty words, and oppression of the free speech that we as patrons are allowed on this platform. These ideals should be upheld and protected. Furthermore, my client is disgusted that you're all hiding out in your bunkers during the biggest crisis your soon-to-be-defunct podcast has ever faced. Mr. Delia, though, is extremely magnanimous and would be willing to have a private discussion, perhaps settle this matter, save you all further public embarrassment. Uh, well, uh, Joseph's lawyer, um, our offer, uh, to settle is, uh, some winged wheel podcast swag to say, sorry, because the stupid idiot who reads the comments sometimes misses some cause he's a stupid idiot. So please get back to my people, which is Evan, um, Jersey time, best Canadian world junior championship Jersey. Ah, Ooh. Okay. I always love the black ones. Yeah. The current black or the O five red. Uh, what's the 05 red? Did they ever have a jersey modeling the 2010 Olympics? Uh, I think they used that, like the 09 Eberly one was that one. Um, the 05 one was basically the 02 Olympic jersey. I love the 20. 20- you know what? I actually have a soft spot for, and this is not my answer, but the green ones I thought were really, really cool. No. <laughs> red, white, <laughs> like- black. That's all you get. Um, if they ever, I can't remember if they ever use the 2010 Olympics jerseys, but if they did, that would be my, my answer. Um, that I think is one of the best Canadian Olympic jerseys of all time, uh, or Canadian jerseys of all time, but world junior championships. I like a lot of them. Like I, I like, Oh, 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 uh, what's the one with like the half leaf going up with the stick? That was like 79. No, but they redid it one year recently. I think. Not recently, but like within the past like twelve years, I think. 
I can't remember that specific that game that they wore it, but yeah, those were those were badass. Or Gretzky when it was blue. There was oh yeah, that's right. Stay fresh cheese bags, but also stay served with this legal summons. Uh, Perks0416 says, what's up, guys? Finally signed up after listening over the past year and a half. Hey, thank you, man. And welcome to the winged wheel pot. Welcome to the dub dub. Uh, you guys are great and gave me something to look forward to during the long stay at home order in Michigan. Anyways, my question is name three realistic players that the Red Wings could draft that you would initially be disappointed in. For me, when we sadly draft at four, I would be bummed if we draft, drafted one of Holtz, Lundell, or Perfetti. Uh, is this like we'd be bummed about, but no, we probably maybe shouldn't be just initially disappointed. I don't think they gave it any more qualification than that. I, at four, I'd probably, my first one would be Drysdale, Perfetti, or Askarov. I, again, I think you both hit it on the head there. I, I think Holtz and Lundell are both very real options. I, I wouldn't love either of them at that spot, but as players, I would be happy to have them in the pipeline. Drysdale just for positional need, um, but again, that'd be very initial disappointment because after I got over the fact of positional need, I'd be excited to have him as a, as a player in the Red Wings system. Askarov, because the only possible way the Red Wings could follow the chaos of drafting more at Cider 6 overall last year would be drafting Yaroslav Askarov fourth overall this year. At least that would be direct positional need. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it would. Uh, also, can we get an Antonio uh, Strange? It's Strange, right? Stranges. It's Stranges? Stranges or Strange. I can't. I don't know if it's It's not Strangest, but it's like Stranges. Antonio Strange's prospect profile. Oh, he's on the docket. Don't you worry. Hold on. Let me uh, see roughly how far till we get to him. Ooh, we do have near, a. He's near the end. This is going to be a while. Sorry. Um, we could be convinced. Joseph Fournier says, hey there, fellas. I'm extremely disappointed in the Red Wings uh, organization regarding not only the half attempts at the Floyd riot responses, but also the Illich's forked up decision to allow police to hold detained protesters at the LCA. Go look at statements made by Taves, Bergeron, Holtby, Landeskog, Sagan, and then read Larkins and point out which one is not like the others. Sorry to bring politics in here. Stay fresh cheese bags. Um, yeah, that was a story that I didn't love to see as well. Um, okay. The, oh, it's a midweek episode. We didn't have any other thread. Um, again, want to thank you guys for, for tuning in, for listening, for supporting us. Um, we're going to be back with another episode on Sunday. Um, if you guys have any feedback or anything to give us, uh, DM us legitimately as long as you're not you know sending me a racial slur like i will listen to the feedback um and share it with these guys as well like don't be afraid to send that our way but to all of our patrons all of our all of our name level sponsors thank you so much uh the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins greech jeremiah dobo jake Kiefer, dead panda society brad smith andrew bohan scott martin kayla thompson jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson clayton van dyken kaylin wood hassam alkasem arjun shanker charlie elkins hannah lee josh rosnowski alex ott chris frank connor Leighton, danny jr matthew Ke- matthew keeler simon anderson antonio gracias john evans k was and stan olson thank you all we love you please 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 stay safe and we'll talk to you on sunday
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.